Welcome to Descriptive, a podcast about JavaScript and other things. I'm your host Khalil, and this is episode 6. Everyone who has root also does on-call. Today's guest is Ole Michaelis. He is a curator at SoCodedConf and a maker of Slider.io, passionate software engineer and DevOps person, uh, and he loves bleeding edge stuff. And he works at Jimdo. Welcome to the show, Ole. Oh, hey, hi. <laughs> Um, so I appreciate that you take the time to talk to me. Uh, my question, my first question is, how did you start uh, with programming or software engineering, DevOps stuff and stuff like that? And how did you end up at your per current position? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, actually, this is kind of a long story. But, That's good. Uh, <laughs> we have time. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, so like... I'm not, I, I would say I'm kind of late. Uh, I started kind of late to all this, to all this programming stuff. Um, where to start? So um, I did a, I did a traineeship. So, you know, Germany have this dual education system. And mm -hmm. so uh, I did not went to university. Instead, I just had like a training on the job thing. And okay. uh, what I did, like when I was 18, I started as a, you would call it systems engineer. So it's basically like responsible for um, for doctors' offices to install their the machines there. Um, so I was kind of with with PCs like when I was I don't know I started when I was twelve something, um, but it didn't like I didn't did the last step to to writing software or like um, getting getting into the stuff right. It was more like a user. This like getting into that came way later, mm -hmm. and then during this training ship. Um, my instructor gave me like the first tasks to write um automated backup scripts in in windows bash um not bash powershell um things and okay. <laughs> this was like my very first programming kind of style or automating scripting it was more like scripting right we would nowadays never call it programming mm -hmm. uh this is how it like uh like made the first like baby steps in that and after the education i decided that i don't want to do this like forever like this um um, technician stuff mm -hmm. so i decided to do another another traineeship like not starting on the job but just do another traineeship for more like three years and then i started at InnoGames um to do an, an traineeship as a software engineer basically mm -hmm. um, due to the fact that i had this technical traineeship before i can uh, I, i could completing it um, within two years and Oh. After after that, so I, I had my um, my my programming education basically. Um, most of the most of the stuff happened there, and I'm like still super like grateful um, for for the fact that it has been in the gaming industries, because the gaming industry is like um, full with passionate people about their about their projects, right? Um, mm -hmm. Everyone loves games, and this is also like um, in my job interview. I mentioned that I like played World of Warcraft for like pretty long time, and this I really had like influences in my uh, so-called real life. And uh, <laughs> for them, it was not like, oh yeah, we don't want to hire you, but for them, it was like really, oh that's cool. Um, we had this too. <laughs> Cool. Um, so, but what did you learn there exactly? What kind of programming? Um, so it was a, um, a games a game shop, but browser games. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned PHP, um, basically. But uh, there was a very small team, 
So I had to do everything from the database to front end, like CSS stuff. One of the things I still remember was like there was one game I had to translate the, the landing pages. But not really translate, but adjusting it for the markets um, which are reading from right to left. So it was like mirroring all the images and um, do all the CSS for that. It was like it was it was fun. It was like a thing I never had in mind that there are like you know foreign countries reading from the other side and that even has an influence on how how they read websites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, so I learned the full full stack there. A full stack, okay. So and the the games were written in Flash. Or in mm. JavaScript, or back back then it was like uh, <laughs> back then. It's not like two. <laughs> it's about five years now. <laughs> um, so the flash it was, is already dead, basically. Okay. <laughs> now, now, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you say it's dead, like the company. After I left, they just started their first game in Flash. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah, that's a completely different story, man. Okay, so. Um, uh, we did like this table, table-based browser games. So it's like um, you had a form, like just your usual website, right? So you had a form, um, and this form was named like "This is your um, training place," and I want to like train five soldiers. And then there's a submit button, which is not like called submit, but just like train. And then you click <laughs> there, and then we submit it like a row in the database oh. that um, this training is done um, at a certain timestamp. Then there was a demon in the background checking, updating database rows. So basically, it was like. Uh, just another CRUD app. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's this gave me cool insights. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, but we're not there yet, right? So, right. Um, in this, in my story, we are now at like 2011. I was done in 2011 with my traineeship, mm -hmm. and right after that, in the same company, I got the, I got the chance to continue there as a team lead, like a lead developer. And this is what I did for about nine months. But then I was 23 back then. <laughs> back then again. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it's three years. Um, so I, I, I was 23 and I decided that it's, um, that it's too early for me to get in this kind of lead positions. Okay. Um, I feel like it, it's, a, it's a cool thing to do. I like that. But I wanted, like, I always felt like I want to learn real programming before. Um, it's like I... I felt like I'm not done with this journey. Mm -hmm. So um, then I started at another company. So basically switched jobs. Um, so I went to an incubator. So I left the gaming gaming stuff. And that was also pretty cool because um, there we had the chance to bootstrap new projects every, every three months, basically. Mm -hmm. And we could um, decide for the software stack um, again every three months and uh, do like I could really like play around and try different things and um, as you mentioned in the introduction I love new stuff and mm -hmm. like every new project we kicked off I decided like for for another stack and um, like another framework another language and this was pretty cool and at this job like the shift um, to what I'm what I'm doing now kind of begins uh, begins begins um, because it was on uh, we mostly did did apps. It wasn't really on purpose, but it's just like what <laughs> what people do nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. They do apps. So um, I wrote a lot of APIs for iOS apps, and I, I weren't involved in writing the apps themselves. I was just like providing the APIs, mm -hmm. and that was super fun. Um, and I discovered that I um, find more I have more passion in um, beautiful API design than I might have in in, in 
or or that I have skill in in doing good front ends. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this. Uh, like to bring this to an end all of a sudden after again like 10 months or something the incubator got um like basically ran out of money and uh, they had to shut down and um i had to search for another job <laughs> and then this is again a pretty funny story um because like as an as an engineer um nowadays it's really easy to find to find something new right it's just like you have to raise your hand and you get like 10 10 job offers mhm and uh, this is um so I, I just like checked around what's going on in Hamburg because I wasn't like I didn't want it to leave the city. Um and I ended up with two offers and uh the one was at, at Jimdo and the other one was at an advertisement company. And basically I decided to start at the advertisement company but uh I wanted like I wanted to be polite. Uh, so I went back to Jimdo, met one of the founders, and I wanted to tell them in person that I'm not going to stop there. Mm-hmm. And as you might know, is uh, that I'm now with Jimdo. So what happened is like we're sitting down in a in a meeting room we now call the aquarium, um, which is just a really cozy place. We sat down there for like four hours, and um, like they really convinced me um, from their culture and their um, their big picture of the tech stack they having that it's. Um, that is perfectly aligning with my personal goals. So um, mm. I really saw a challenge there. So I joined them. And this is like two years ago now. And I'm still with Jim New. So, so describe the, the culture. And, and what ex- exactly, you know, uh, just um, very you know, concrete, what, what attracted you to go to Jim yeah. New in the end? Uh, so like the first thing which I... Which comes into my mind when I'm describing Jimdo. It's like the Jimdo is different, and Jimdo is different in a in a whole lots of meanings. So the first thing is that we basically have no hierarchy at all. So we have the three founders, but then there is um, no hierarchy. There, the rest of us, right? Every hundred eighty people. Um, this is pretty special. Um, everything is organized in teams, and um, all the all the decisions and all the 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 company is built on trust, basically. So the founders trust me and trust everyone in the company to make, to work on that part of the system where they deliver the most value to the company and mm-hmm. the customer. This is, like, I think this is pretty special and makes it pretty special to work there. And because of that, um, we have to hire pretty carefully, but this leads to a team with tons of, of experts, so really skilled people, mm-hmm. and um, on the other hand, um, we have lots of these skilled people, but we are also like one big, one big family. It's like it's like you would you would come. To, it's not like you would go to work. It's more like it's like flat sharing. Um, <laughs> the day the day I started there was like I, I opened the door and there was like one of the founders on a skateboard rolling across the office with like a dog jumping around him. <laughs> this was like my first impression of Jimdo, and I I don't know like for the first time I saw this it felt like um, it it felt like fake. I like oh no this is like mm-hmm. I haven't seen an office like this. This cannot be true. This must be an exception. But now after two years, it's like um, this is just what happens. <laughs> Sometimes I mean it's not like we're all moving on skateboards all the time, but um, we have this freedom to I don't know skating in the office if we want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And so, how does it? So, do you kind of? So, did you go there and you knew exactly 
what you were going to do or or did you did you have the basically i mean it sounds like you so what i would expect now from what you told me it sounds like you would have maybe a little bit of time to figure out what your role could be or was it already clear um so it was it was like within the company was again a kind of kind of a journey um mm -hmm. but this is again cool for jimno that um, employees have the have the I don't know they get the space basically to to do this. So I was hired to be part of a um, a team which is called the feature team, which is basically the team which is dedicated to deliver features to the customer. So mm -hmm. um, from this Jimlu's website builder, so um, we are doing uh, everyone should have a website, and when you have a website with us, the feature team is responsible to make this um, edit mode and um, adding new modules and give you the opportunity to interact with the website. So this was a team I was uh, supposed to be part of, <laughs> and you see, you're like I'm supposed to be because um, it was um, pretty clear after just like two weeks that. Um, that I would need more, basically like I would need root access to the service um, because I was um, so excited that I wanted like change things and I, you know, this, the architecture has kind of grown, but mm -hmm. um, I was I was also hired to, to change this. And what I then did was like I was walking up to to the to the infrastructure team and said like oh, you know folks I want to change this and that so can you just give me a root account and they're like yeah you know well we can do that but everyone who has root also does on call like ah uh, no <laughs> I don't, I, you know I I just don't want to do it I never did it and I don't know it just didn't fit into my my picture of how software software development works um, but. Yeah, I decided that okay, if this is a deal, um, and you know they they want me to do that, in order to get this road access, <laughs> why not? I I do this. Hmm. Uh, so basically, like two weeks after I joined Jimnu, I was part of the infrastructure team. Um, I had dealt with inf infrastructure before, um, but not that in depth like as I did with Jimdo. So I learned, um, basically I learned it the hard way. <laughs> so um, I learned you know to deal with around 500 servers, um, actual wow. hardware servers. So like um, disk failing, I don't know, network fuck-ups and all this kind of stuff. I never dealt with before, but it was a really cool thing. So it was like a, a training I got, like half a year on training on the job thing. Mm -hmm. And I also got this um, this root access <laughs> I always wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but I also did the, the on-call stuff. And it was a pretty cool... Um, yeah, pretty cool experience. So you didn't uh, actually do feature development then? Just, uh, I mean, not just, but you did infrastructure stuff or DevOps? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically, back then, um, it was it was all infrastructure. So um, the amount of, of time I spent on actual programming was really little. It wasn't that much. Um, I mean, sure, we programmed a bit of the the components we needed, so we did. We still do Puppet, so um, this was the stuff um, I was more or less programming, and we had even the infrastructure was set up test driven, so I still wrote lots of tests in Ruby. Um, but like, I didn't do any any application programming. I'd say mm -hmm. um, this was really um, uh, different, and there was also a thing I missed. Um, so then. And I still, you know, I still had the idea in mind that I wanted, I wanted to change, um, change the things. I want to change the system, change the software. So, so why? So why? What did you want to change, and why? 
um, the architecture, the big, like the big, <laughs> the big picture, um, because it was so grown, it was like so complex. And I, I remember, <laughs> I still remember when I, when I started there, it was so hard to do the, the onboarding because it was like a seven year grown system. And I feel, I basically felt so stupid, um, because, you know, when I started, I was like, okay, I'm a software engineer. I did like, I have seen a few code bases, so I, I can't handle that. And then I started and I was sitting in front of this code page, which was seven years old. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I checking it. I was like trying to, to wrap my head around it. So I like dig into the code and it was like uh, figuring around what, what like this piece does. And then it was like so complex. I was like, I had a ball of wool in my head. I was like, <laughs> it was so hard to, to wrap my head around it. And um, I want. I do not want to have the the next one joining Jim having the same experience, basically, mm -hmm. and also make feature development faster, right? Right. Um, if you like decouple the system, you would get like feature development way faster. Mm -hmm. So this was the reason why I wanted to change it, and I still, I still wanted to do that. So we founded another another team out of um, the infrastructure team. So there was a, a, a colleague of mine, Zünke. He's well, he was one of the first employees at Jimdo. So he basically built up the whole system, and he's like super depth knowledge about what is going on in the system. And I was happy to help him to get his big idea um, realized, which is like decentralizing the system and uh, moving parts out of it. And this were like where we had this thing of DevOps. Um, coming in basically or where we where we, i could say we applied it for the first time or i applied it for the first time because in the infrastructure team um sure i did infrastructure but it wasn't devops because the dev part was completely missing right so what is devops um the short answer is culture devops is just culture okay um <laughs> i'm sure you're eager for the long one right i <laughs> know <laughs> Why yeah, is it so, culture? yeah. Um, so DevOps is just to remove the ivory tower or the the wall, which is the the wall which is between the development team and the operations team and a uh, like so-called usual company. I don't know. So um, usually it's like people or software development teams just write a piece of software and then they put it um, like they put it in front of the infrastructure um, of operations team. It's like, okay, here's the software. So um, now it's now it's your part, right? Now it's ops problem. So it's their part mm -hmm. to run it. Mm -hmm. And this adds a lot of friction. So the development team uh, is not aware of, of um, all the implications of the decisions they made. Um, it was Adrian Cockcroft who did a nice analogy, which is, if you're if you're as a developer, if you're also responsible for the software running in production, it is if you would driving in a high traffic environment with a big spike um, on your wheel, uh, not on your wheel, in a steering wheel. So if you imagine uh, you would be in this situation, you would drive way more carefully, right? And this also applies to software engineering. So mm -hmm. if you're responsible for the software running in production, uh, you're like you're intrinsic motivation is way higher to write resilient software to write actual like good software which does not waste any resources and i don't know cause any high load cpu intensive you know blah blah these kind of things yeah mm -hmm. um this is uh, basically 
the, the idea behind DevOps to, to remove the friction and to get the teams aligned and to have uh, this uh, full stack thing or cross-functional teams. Okay, but you would definitely still have like teams that are more operations and some team and the other teams are more dev or is it like just like everybody's devops now um yeah this is a tough question i'd say so in the um everyone is devops sounds sounds kind of wrong right but on the other hand an operations team is not devops this is definitely an anti-pattern mm -hmm. so uh, i think the truth is somewhere in the middle What I could imagine is a platform team, like a team which is responsible to provide a platform to the cross-functional teams. So do not bound it to a person. So if we're talking about everyone is DevOps, this is wrong, but I think every team should be, ha should be able to handle this kind of task. So every team should be able to write an app like from the CSS, JavaScript, HTML, all the way down to the backend language by Ruby, PHP, Python, whatsoever, to database, to deploying in production, and also doing on-call, taking care of metrics, taking care of deployments. But to, um, to make this easier, uh, it can totally happen that there's a platform team to provide the tooling to the, to the teams. Mm-hmm. So the team does not have to reinvent the wheel all the time. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah, that, that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, uh, I think it also removes a little bit, removes uh, the tediousness of some of the tasks that typical operations teams need to do all the time because yeah. it's more distributed over everybody. Right, right. And um, also it removes the, the dependency on, on actual people, right? Because... Um, also, for, for my current role at Jimnu, I'm not part of the independent team anymore, I'm not part of a new team where well, I brought in all the, um, the infrastructure knowledge, but I would not consider myself, I do not want to be considered as the infrastructure guy. I'm a, I'm a backend developer, this is like an okay term, and, um, but I'm trying to, to educate my team, especially the other backend developers, on what it means to... Uh, run software in production. So, mm -hmm. what is the necessary tooling? Why is the CDN um, important? How does DNS resolving works? Um, what is about caching? Why is metrics? Um, why are metrics important? And all this kind of stuff, which is really um, usually more in, a, in an ops kind of department. But for us, it's important to have it within the team because we are completely responsible for the services we are run we are running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I kind of uh, feel like <clears throat> the company that I'm working at, we also, we have a lot of that knowledge in our teams as well. And I, 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 I kind of feel like it's, it, would, it wouldn't feel complete somehow. Like you, whenever you build something, you have to think about how, how it's going to run in production right. you have to have it in mind otherwise like True. you're just kind of building into into nothingness and then just you know 
yeah. hand it over and then maybe you know it's complete bullshit you know three people <laughs> visit the site and it just falls down or something like that. true yeah <clears throat> and this this like um all the experience i made in the especially in the infrastructure team and like you know running software on actual half a service um really changed um, my mind on how i develop software uh, for example i now know which database queries are blocking and which are not and mm -hmm. why this is an important feature mm -hmm. right this kind of like little details completely changes the way of how you write software because you want your app to be performant and um, able to serve more than requests um, that you have workers um, available per second something you know yeah and what is your what are you doing exactly now so um, so you're also developing features now what is yeah what is your team yeah. doing so I'm part of the the so-called template team or template tech team um, so Yeah, a little bit of background is needed here, I guess. So Jim was website builder, and um, one of our core concepts is that we have um, extracted your content out of the layout. So you have your content, your website content, and you have a layout, but they're like just we try to have them loosely coupled. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is that you can apply every template to to your website, and when we're doing everything right, it looks good like directly from the start mm -hmm. and the team i'm currently working on did the first service like the first service oriented architecture thing within jimdo so we are providing all the the um the tech stack which is needed to design templates for our system mm -hmm. so um one of our uh, customers is in-house uh so which is the template design team they're responsible for delivering cool or good-looking templates in, to the gym system. Mm -hmm. So we are providing them with tooling, for example, that they can have a preview of um, dummy content websites within their newly created um, template. So we have a Chrome extension where they can um, fetch the content and load them into load it into a local running template. And then we are also cool. serving the actual Jimdo system with templates. So we're providing APIs that the system can fetch all current templates and uh, that you can style your templates so that you can apply changes there, like, I don't know, changing fonts, changing colors, um, paddings, this kind of stuff. Cool. Okay, yeah. so uh, what what is the tech stack? Um, our current tech stack is Ruby-based for the template team. So we have a Rails app, we have a Sinatra app, and we have a Node app, and CoffeeScript and lots of JavaScript. <laughs> okay, so why do you have, so why is not everything just Rails? Um, because Rails is, is not a one-size-fits-all solution, definitely mm -hmm. not, I'd say. Um, Especially for the Node service, which is a, a funny story because uh, the service, which is now Node, like the first version was in Ruby. Um, it's an HTTP proxy. Mm -hmm. But then we figured that it's completely blocking in, in Ruby and um, that there are no good pre-built um, HTTP proxy libraries around. So we had to like throw away the prototype and uh, then... Um, I know that there is the HTTP proxy library in Node, mm -hmm. and that this would like basically do almost all the work for us. Um, so we decided that this part is a good fit for Node. This mm -hmm. is and where Node makes a lot of sense. And the other service is Sinatra because it's a very 
And most of the stuff is done um, in the front end. So it's a very JavaScript intensive project. So we just use Rails for a few, uh, Sinatra for a very few API calls to the Rails system. What is Sinatra again? Sinatra is a very slim, I'd say it's a slim wrapper around the HTTP stack. So you can just define roots and uh, HTTP verbs ah. and, uh, with a simple um, DSL. So you could write um, get uh, slash um, do blah blah any logic and and then you have your app ready. <laughs> okay, so so that sits on top of Rails. Mm. I don't really understand. No, it. No, so no. you have JavaScript <laughs> and JavaScript talks to Sinatra and then Sinatra talks to Rails. True. Um, but the, like the, the talking there um, is over network, so there's an actual API in between. Uh, Rails and Sinatra share some components, which is called the rack stack. Um, talking about Node, you might know this concept from Connect, right? They are all sharing this middleware part, mm -hmm. um, but they, are not, um, they don't have the same code base. They are sharing some components, but it's not uh, dependent. And why can't the JavaScript not just talk to Rails? Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a good question. Actually, it could. It's more like historically grown. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> one day we want to refactor, rewrite the the um, the Chrome extension we have uh, to directly talk to the RAID system. So at, at the moment, it's just a. Uh, you know, this is one of the uncom uncomfortable questions. But yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this, this could be possible no, if I, we were done it right at the first time. Okay, <laughs> now I get it. Okay. No, because I thought it was, there was like a specific, I was wondering if there was like a specific, like like good reason to have that kind of stack. Okay. No, no not a good reason. <laughs> there are reasons, but no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Cool. <clears throat> and... So, what are you? So, are you writing? What kind of code are you writing? Are you writing a lot of JavaScript then, or uh, not? Because you're a backend developer. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I'm I'm more of a backend um, person, in in my company. So in my free time, I'm writing I'm writing JavaScript as well. But in my company, I'm I'm more focusing on the on the parts I I know very well, which is um, the backend stuff and the API stuff. So yeah, I'm writing lots of of Ruby. Basically, it's just Ruby. Okay. Um, also, sometimes uh, PHP um, to integrate it in the in the old system, but what? most time running Ruby. How does PHP now come in? So that was just <laughs> <laughs> all the Ruby stack I'm describing was just like uh, the part which is happening in our team. Okay. So the big, the big part um, of of the Gymnos system is uh, a PHP app. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so the system I described, like the grown system, uh, the seven, almost seven-year-old system, is a, is a PHP system. And is the the process that you helped start to decentralize the system a little bit? Is that still going on, or is uh, it over? Yeah, basically. So I'm not like one of the um, of the driving factors on doing it, like. From the inside of this um, grown system, I would consider myself more as someone um, as as leading example. Okay. I don't want it to sound arrogant, but um, so the, the the template team and the services we are having is basically the first team who did this. So running something um, on our own outside of the grown system. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, we are trying to lead as an example and 
I also had the situations where other developers at Jimdo came to me and asking questions like, how is it to do on-call? How often does your pager ring? Mm -hmm. And uh, then I'm pretty pretty happy that I can say that it actually doesn't ring pretty often and that it's not so stressful as it might sound if you're programming a good system, right? <laughs> okay, so that means that if other teams would want to take their system... Um decentralize their part what they're doing they would have to do the same thing that you did so basically get, get root access and also have to be on call and that's and you're trying to in, and you're now in this new team and you're trying and basically leading by example and trying to inspire other people to do the same yeah i'd say it's a bit um it's a bit uh, so things changed since then right so now okay. if you want to have road access uh, you don't need to do on call so we decoupled that um we made on call more attractive more attractive mm -hmm. um to people so yeah you might have an idea what this means right <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm uh, not sure. No, if I, no if I, what if what I does could, it mean? Uh, yeah, more you basically attractive? get more, yeah, more money. Oh, you get more <laughs> okay. money for it. <laughs> okay, got it. That basically means doing, making Uncle more attractive. Mm -hmm. um, so it's decoupled. So everyone nowadays can have road access within the company because we are built on trust, um, mm -hmm. and we also want to have this for our infrastructure. We want, we want to be the system built on trust, right? Right. Uh, so yeah, when other teams want to do the same. Um, at the moment, we don't have this platform, this one shared platform. We have a few best practices within the company. And if a team decides to to move their parts, their responsibilities out of the, the big system, um, they can do it. And there are a few examples on how this is possible with which techniques and um, what you can do with hosting, what's best practices for on-call and this kind of stuff. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Um, you told me, cause we, we met on a few conferences and I think yeah. on uh, one of the conferences, you told me that you, um, also go, went to San Francisco. Was that, was that part of, was that also, I think it had something to do with your job. Is that right? Yeah. Also. <laughs> also. Right. Okay. But it also gave, kind of gave you motivation or the, the opportunity to go so there. Yeah, um, when I started at Nimnu, um, like one of the founders said that they have an office in San Francisco and that every employee has the chance to go there. Mm -hmm. um, the office is, um, there's no, no development in this office. It's um, country management and support. Okay. So um, I won't meet any developers, Jimdo developers there. But um, the founders say, if you want to, if you want to grasp the startup feeling, you actually have to be in San Francisco, which is a bummer, but which is true, I'd say. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so what does it mean that it's true? Um, I think a lot of the startup culture is like, um, you can feel the startup thing when you're in San Francisco. So one of the things I realized is like when you're in the city and you're like going to a coffee shop, uh, I don't know, just wanted to grab a coffee. So I was there with my girlfriend and we went there having a, just a coffee because it was like the night we landed. So uh, we wanted to like Skype to our uh, parents that we had like a good flight and everyone, mm -hmm. everything is good. So we didn't have Wi-Fi then in the flat. So we went to a coffee shop and then you like walk into the coffee shop, like first, my first coffee shop experience in San Francisco. Like I walked in and there was like, I don't know, 10 people 
sitting there with their MacBooks open, headphones in, and definitely programming, you know, mm-hmm. like typing hard <laughs> on the keyboards. And like this experience, this coffee shop experience, like um, was kind of self-fulfilling whenever I entered a coffee shop. So um, we, we were sitting at a table having, having a coffee and talking, talking to friends. And on the table next, next to us, there were... Um, two guys talking about their new startup and how they can <laughs> how they do not have a business model <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> it is it that is sounds very typical. Typical. yeah right it's, it is it's just yeah that's what it is it's typical um it's i wouldn't i would not say it's a good thing um no <laughs> but this is just how it, how it is right and um, we want jim to, to be a startup as well but we have a business model and cash flow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but we want to have this this feeling, right? Right. And also, there's a lot of tech going on, right? In San Francisco, the tech scene is incredible. Mm-hmm. There's so many cool people. And um, due to the That's fact true. that I'm going to lots of conferences, I know some like good handful of people there as well. So um, it's really fortunate that I can just like ping them on Twitter and say, oh, I'd like to see your office. Can I come around? So I saw really lots of cool offices um, when I was in San Francisco last time. Cool. Which ones did you see? Uh, so I was um, at Heroku, um, Fastly, um, GitHub. Cool. Basically, yeah. Oh, the engine yard. Mm-hmm. But most impressive was definitely the, 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 GitHub, the GitHub office. <laughs> yeah. The new office, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like when you enter, there's like a little museum where they have the MacBook where um, pull requests got programmed on. And then you're <laughs> like in the, in the uh, White's house um, office, the, the Oval Office, where the security guy is sitting at a um, three to three meters desk, um, just like uh, getting your data and who you want to meet and then... He's pulling the person off and you're waiting in the Oval Office. And when you then <laughs> enter, there's like, I know, three meters high OctoCAD um, statue. So okay, wow. This is just impressive. Yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. imagine. Cool. So, uh, and you also, uh, you sp- spoke at various conferences. Uh, what are kind of the subjects that you like to talk about? Mm, I like to talk about the topics I know. <laughs> That makes sense. But what, which ones are the ones you know and that you kind of enjoy talking about and care the most about? Yeah, so I really like to talk about like what is often a, um, a topic within my talks but not in the in the description or abstract. It's like the way how Jimnu works because I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's pretty special and uh, I want to share this. I want to get the word out about it, mm-hmm. not to make advertisement or stuff because we don't, we don't, sell, we don't sell this stuff to, to other programmers. But... I think um, the way how Jimnu is um, is led by our founders is, is a pretty cool thing, but this also has technical implications, and this is like more the topic, and this is also part of the abstract, and this is more this is more the topic within my talks. <laughs> okay. But this is not the one the one thing which goes through all the topics. Um, so the the talks I did are very uh, on various topics. So the first one. Um, which got kind of kind of popular and um, requested, kind of like accepted, kind of often, was a talk about PHP and the PHP community, and no, not really about the PHP community, but more about how other people see the PHP community, and that uh, like the idea they have about PHP is kind of wrong because I was uh, more, I felt more like a PHP programmer then mm-hmm. uh, and i felt like i was kind of treated weird when i when i admitted that i did php mm-hmm. uh so that was my first 
first talk topic and then I got talks about um, the DevOps thing, um, Hubot, um, the chat robot, because I think that's a cool, mm -hmm. cool tool. Um, then the service-oriented architecture or microservices or uh, distributed architecture, however you want to call it, thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, this is the stuff I, I'm talking about most of the time. Cool. And I, I, are you speaking on a lot of conferences? Because I, uh, I, I got the sense that you were you had like a couple of talks uh, behind your belt already. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, uh, what does a lot mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe like five a year. Uh, or more. Way, yeah. way more. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, that... way more. So I, I think this year. Um. So at the end of this year, it will be sixteen conferences. What? Yeah. Wow. Uh, this year was kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, this is not. Um, but a I, conference that you, are, you were talking like at, that. right? What? Sorry. Uh, that... A conference that you were talking at, right? Yeah. True. Okay. Um, I was. I was attending at, at. I'd say just two conferences. <laughs> okay. Um, there was like uh, the old conference by. Paul Campbell, which is a friend of mine, and uh, I don't know, I just enjoy his conferences, so I definitely wanted to go there. Uh, it was a product design conference, and I was like, I was wondering myself if I if I fit in the the, the target audience, but mm -hmm. he was like completely sure that it would fit in there, and it was a, it was a really great experience. And then um, I was at JazzCon with you, which is like my my I don't know um, bread and butter conference. <laughs> I've been there since three years or four years in a row now this is like the conference i always go there's like no no argue about that yeah it's <laughs> it's a great conference for sure. true yeah and then there are like the 14 no the 16 other conferences i've <laughs> been to this year um lots in europe but also um a few overseas which i enjoy a lot hmm. and which which are which were your your favorite ones this year in terms of speaking, yeah, <clears throat> um, that's a good question. I think my favorite one was in February this year. It was called uh, Code Palooza. <laughs> it was in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, I think I enjoyed it for a couple of reasons. So, uh, if you would check, like we should, like in the show notes, we should link my my slide deck from then because sure. uh, my first, my in, in the first, no, it was the second night there. Um, I, I met a local. Uh, I forgot her name, but she offered to show me and, a, and another guy I met at the conference to show around the city. And mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, sure, why not? So we were done with the speaker dinner, so we had a good night, and then uh, she drove us around and uh, showed us her city. Uh, that was pretty cool, but then um, I actually had my first interference with the U.S. police because we got pulled over oh. uh, because of broken headlight. And mm. um, I don't know, this isn't a part of the conference even, but this made it a cool experience, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, um, how was your experience with the police? Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it was kind of weird, uh, but I guess this is just like how how interference with police have to be in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It was. It wasn't too bad. Uh, they just ask everyone in the car for the ID, which mm -hmm. I heard afterwards is kind of not usual. Mm -hmm. And then um, because I know that like a German ID might be confusing for them, I handed over my driver's license mm -hmm. because it, you know has the same format as theirs, and I think it took. This is the reason why it took their. Um, it took like 20 minutes for them to, whatever they did was my ID before mm -hmm. I got it back 20 minutes later. Okay. And then she got a, 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 a they call fix-it ticket. 
so she had to fix it and pay okay. a fee a fine mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but it wasn't yeah it wasn't too bad nothing really <laughs> bad happened okay um, but this was just the night before my talk so it was like uh i don't know this was the the story i had to share mm -hmm. <laughs> right cool. at the beginning of my and my and my, my talk and now it's some matter I think it's it's about the people I've met there. This made it a cool experience. Also, the organizer was a really really cool guy, and um, the 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 people at the conference were pretty cool and really diverse. And, and yeah. uh, it's about the people. <laughs> yeah, it mostly mostly is, isn't it? And uh, what kind of stuff? What kind of talks uh, were you know uh, given at the conference? Um, I think this is another another good point why why would make this conference special. It was again pretty diverse. So it wasn't um as the name suggests, right? It wasn't a PHP or Ruby or something conference. It was a programming or coding conference. Mm -hmm. Um so it was everything from Rails to actual front end um techniques, design, UX, Java, lots of .NET stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh the the guy who organized it was a, a .NET, .NET developer uh, for a long time, so I don't know, his filter bubble somehow consists of a lot of .NET guys but, <laughs> and girls, but um, yeah, it was it was everything in there, and this, I think, which makes it pretty interesting, because uh, actually, I also attended a lot of talks which are absolutely not my expertise. Mm -hmm. um, I was sitting in a, in a front-end tooling talk um, And I actually made friends with with the guy who gave that talk, and um, I was attending there. And I was, it was like two years ago since I did the last actual front end project, and I just realized how much all this stuff involved, like all this preprocessors and live reloading. And yeah. um, he did also lots of live coding, so he designed um, a, a, just a fake blog kind of, um, mm -hmm. but live on stage. It was pretty impressive to me to to see what um, what is. Like what is state of the art nowadays in in front end in, mm -hmm. yeah, front end development, and same for for programming languages and stuff. So I attended an, an Erlang talk, which is absolutely not my expertise. What is was really cool to to get into. Cool, sounds interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it says in your in your Twitter bio that you are curating the so coded conf. So what is that conference? Um, so Subcoded was a conference which happened in the summer of last year. Uh, it was um, at the beginning of 2013 where my humble self and two of my friends, we've been to a conference in Lille in North France. It just, you know, it just like accidentally happened that all three of us have been there. Um, mm -hmm. Me and Tom, when we were speaking, so we got like Sebastian um, to join us. And during the conference, like it was the first time that the organizers did this conference, and they really, you really feel that they put a lot of effort into this. Um, but still, there were a few glitches. For example, there were no trash bins over the place, and there was no wardrobe. It was a, a January in Lille. It was like minus 12 degrees Celsius, and there were no wardrobes. Mm -hmm. uh, so the rooms were heated, but then you were had your deck in, and there was all these little details, and Sebastian somehow had this notebook around all the time, and writing down like uh, all these little glitches um, with the premise that if we would run a conference one day, we would make this better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this sentence kind of was, so we had a really good time there. And this basically was the the starting point for the so-coded. So Torben then uh, kicked this stuff out like 
four months later that we like he invited us to to have a beer and then he said like yeah we we talked about that let's do that and then um, we are all on board and we got our girlfriends on board and uh, we had a pretty cool team set up uh, to to make this conference happen this was my first time organizing a conference and there was a really cool experience i had i had a great time and um we had tons of cool speakers and we had even more cool attendees and uh we had i don't know the the coolest speaker dinner i ever had and <laughs> i don't know we are still receiving like almost over a year later we are still receiving requests if we would do it again and that that was one of the best conferences people have ever attended wow. um yeah this is a really big compliment and i'm really proud that i that i've been part of of that so it was just a one one time thing then <laughs> uh, we're coming to the tricky part now um <laughs> let me phrase it like this you should follow the twitter account and i can neither confirm or deny anything <laughs> that. right interesting okay. <laughs> so there's nothing to be this year this this yeah. is kind of clear um But uh, on the other hand, I don't know any conference which is um, every odd year. Yeah, maybe this could be a thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think uh, some people even said that you know it's uh, it's may maybe even a little bit too much to do one conference a year. It's not necessary necessary for for some conferences. Yeah, or... someone like for someone who did like eighteen this year, <laughs> I may be the wrong person to talk to. <laughs> right. So how do you end up speaking at all those conferences? Is it like you're just viciously applying everywhere, or do I mean it must be mixed, right? People ask you because mm -hmm. you have spoken at many already, yeah, and you also apply. True, true. So okay. it's uh, not that I'm like I don't know I'm not a rock star, right? So it's not like <laughs> everyone wants me to come to their conference. Uh, it's definitely not like this. Mm -hmm. um, it's more like I'm I'm actually applying a lot. Uh, I just. <laughs> I just figured out that I actually like it and that people like what what I like 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 how I tell stories mm -hmm. and the stuff I have to share. Yeah. So um this motivates me to apply to to conferences and share the learnings I had to maybe they they don't do the same mistakes or um yeah, I'm also trying to give these talks I would like to have when I was a trainee. Right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I want to share share the stuff I, I learned, and yeah. also, um, frankly, it's um, it gives me the opportunity to attend conferences, right? Yeah, uh, and attending conference gives you, I don't know, a really awesome network, and you're going to meet awesome people. I mean, going to a conference is also um, what I what what get me into this here, right? That's true. <laughs> so we met we met at a conference. Yeah. So um, I think there are tons of um, cool cool things happening at conferences and speaking at conferences is a good it's a good excuse to go to more than two a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true uh so do you have uh, you know tips for people on basically on how to on how to apply or how you know what is a good abstract to send in like do you have anything mm. do you do, just tips <laughs> So uh, the first thing I definitely should mention here is that I wrote a blog post on that topic. Ah, okay, well, we'll link it up uh, in the yeah, show notes. For yeah, sure. yeah, let's do that. Uh, this one is called Finding Your Voice. It was um, an article I wrote for the for PHP magazine Okay. Um, at the beginning of this year. And luckily, they allowed me to, um, after a certain time period, they allowed me to publish it on my blog, uh, blog as well. Um, this is why the article is such a good... Uh, 
such a good quality. (laughs) 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 I mean, I wrote it myself. Um, It's all my thoughts in there. But uh, yeah, they had someone to look over all my awful uh, spelling and grammar mistakes. (laughs) 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 Um, So yeah, let's talk about tips. So um, find something you're passionate about. Um, I could also name a few things you definitely should not do, especially if you want to if you want to start speaking. So if you want to start speaking, do not pick something you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear it from time to time that this could be a cool thing to dig into. Uh, I think this is a lie. This is a pretty bad lie because um, there are tons of stuff um, you can worry about if you're uh, if you're going to be on stage. Right. I don't know. There's uh, the afraid that you can forget something. The afraid that people ask something you don't know. The afraid of I don't know tech failing. The afraid of I don't know lights going out. The the afraid of fire alarm kicks in. But um, you should not have the afraid that you have no idea about this topic you're talking about. Right. And what is funny is that if you try to to um, convince someone or to motivate someone to go on stage they always tell you oh I've, i'm i'm I've, I've nothing i don't know something special and this is also what the blog post is about it's like um they have no idea what they what they want to talk about and the problem with this is as soon as you're comfortable within a topic well enough to actually give a talk about you have the feeling that this knowledge is common sense and not something special yeah. you or only you or only you and a few know yeah, and I think you have to overcome that feeling, and this is a judgment you shall not um, you shall not make. Mm-hmm. Write a good abstract, send it in, and let the organizers decide if it fits to their conference or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so handing in more than one talk is nothing is nothing bad. Um, some conference organizers might disagree with me because it makes them some extra work, but. It just increases the chances for the organizers to to get the schedule online they want to have in diversity of topics and speakers and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. So it's really to overcome overcome the fright of of handing in something. Um, I had this with a with a coworker. She was uh, she just mentioned that she would be really eager to to get into the speaking thing, and I helped her with the abstract, and then I convinced her to just. Just hand it in, and we will then worry about I don't know all um, the threats uh, she might see or all the um, all the things she's she's worrying about. Mm-hmm. And then she got accepted at ReactJS, and <laughs> this is what we basically did. So uh, we we trained her talk quite quite often and improved it and did the continuous improvement thing. And this is um, what you also can do on your own. You don't need someone who is more experienced in that. It's just about training. Mm-hmm. Even people who do this more often, um, they are not no natural talents. It's all it's all practice and training. So, if if you convince yourself to hand something in and then got accepted, the kind of only thing to do is like practice, and right. practice means just go to the rehearsal button of your favorite slide creating tool and give the talk in front of your monitor mm-hmm. or in front of your relative or yeah yeah cool i think this is the biggest tip practice and yeah don't be afraid yeah yeah i think that those are really uh, great points uh, i really uh, can relate to that 
point where I mean you're a speaker too right so <laughs> uh, yeah I you, you might have overcome the same thing uh, not completely like there is this this <laughs> uh, what I relate to most from what you just said uh, from the things <clears throat> that you just said uh, mm. is the one where you th many people just think that all the stuff they they know is already common knowledge and you mm -hmm. feel like you don't really have anything to add like this is already oh, that stuff is clear you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you would just know that it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so so this is i i think i have a really big problem with that yeah and i have to try to just just think of the situations where you're still trying to convince people to actually use version control systems right then all is set then a, another talk about ground is perfectly fine <laughs> <laughs> it might be even like the advanced level then uh yeah it really depends on the audience right and yeah. uh, i obviously have the same so um but it's like the fight the fight with um, myself if this could be a cool topic or not mm -hmm. so what i what i sometimes do is writing a blog post before writing an abstract Mm -hmm. um, or once it turned out that I wanted to write an abstract and the abstract ended in a blog post because the abstract got that long <laughs> that it was actually in the end one of the longest blog posts I have on my blog. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> so um, writing, yeah, writing a blog post actually gives you a feeling on what is important for that topic and if you know some something which is interesting because then you can share it to co-workers or your friends pass it along your network mm -hmm. and see if um, how the people react and if they if they and i swear this will not happen but if they tell you this is totally boring and not rather um, relevant then you might think um, if you should propose something else but mm -hmm. i'm certain that this will not happen no. and that people will find it interesting yeah right Okay, um, so let's talk about Slider I.O. <laughs> so sure, love to. <laughs> so that is a, a project that you just recently launched, I think. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so let's hear about it. What 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 is it? Um, slide slide share is basically the the one solution you have waited for as a speaker to get your slides to share your slides with your audience. Um, I was so annoyed by. The existing solutions um, that, again, a friend of mine has to get me to the idea to do my own one. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a pet project. Um, at a certain point, I might want it to be more. But as of now, um, it's just my very personal thing. And it's like my getting my hands dirty training programming thing basically it's a project where i learned rails i should not say it too loud but <laughs> <laughs> i thought uh, you this was... is my very first Rails project i thought um, you were so when you when you this the stuff that you do at gym do is not in rails it's... oh it is no, no. <laughs> i mean i started it in rails so uh, you just said i recently launched it which is true okay but, but okay. uh like the development took me about over a year okay so. okay got it got it <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. um before I, I joined the, the Ruby slash Rails team at Jimdo, um, oh, okay. I was with Slatterio and Rails for um, a few months. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm with Ruby even longer. Um, okay. I'm, I'm more talking about Rails' framework. Um, yeah, it's also my first Angular project, and it's also where I got my hands dirty with PDF.js. And this is also, um, I don't know, web workers and asset pipeline and all the cool techniques um, wow. I'm always hearing. I've tried to um, implement there because it's a cool use case. 
and it's not like programming for the trash bin because this is something I really hate. Mm, I, I, yeah. I'm really bad at this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So with Slatter.io, I have my project where I can implement that. Cool. And then my ego kicked in where I really wanted to finish it at a certain point because I hit it the point, I hit it this point more than once where I'm finding myself in a situation I cannot um, kind of get out of my own, which sounds harder as it as it was, but it's like, especially when it comes to the front end stuff, um, I was not and maybe still not am uh, good enough. Um, I'm a horrible designer. This is like, I think the, this is um, on that project, this is my biggest problem. Um, I completely um, did it on my own. So everything you see is basically um, uh, basically happened in my code editor. I have a few <laughs> few friends or two friends who helped me with that. Like for the really tricky bits, I could ask them and they helped me uh, through through Skype and some prep programming sessions. Mm -hmm. But most of the stuff is, is out of my editor. And design is one thing, right? I mean, it's like, uh, so obvious, and everyone would now yell, oh, you could have done Twitter Bootstrap, and if you check the source, this is what I did, but um, I wanted like I wanted to be a cool product. It, I wanted something that I want to use, and I hate ugly websites. Yeah. I mean, so. I cannot design, the, which is which is one point, but and, I and still I also love hate, good design. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I also, I must say, I'm very annoyed with. I mean, it, it has got it has gotten really very much better, but there was a time where there was just every like second website just had this Twitter bootstrap look. Yeah, it was right. terrible. Yeah. And I don't want to have that. Um, and the ugly truth is that I just bought a $6 template for Bootstrap. <laughs> <laughs> well, but hey, that's better than using the default, honestly. Yeah, like, yeah. Most and people I'm, are I'm just using the default, you know, and that's... Yeah. Um, okay, sure. so, what, so what annoyed you with the other uh, SlideShare programs? And what did you do better? So... Um, yeah, basically the, the answer to both is like, um, it's, it's yeah, the same, right? So what annoyed me on the others is what I did better. Right. And what annoyed me is that I want to have something which is free. Okay. So, um, the pro, um, the platform I used before was speaker deck, which is still an awesome platform. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I discovered the problem for myself that, it's annoying that the slides have to be processed as a speaker. So you upload something and then you have to wait. And you ha sometimes you had to wait for a really long time and then some, sometimes this processing pipeline got stuck and you had to write to, to the, to on Twitter that there's something broken and then it might take them a few hours to respond and uh, all this stuff was pretty annoying. Hmm. Um, so I had the idea to to just um let the user upload a pdf and also display it because there's there was pdf or there still is pdfjs around right mm -hmm. so it's like a solved problem and i had the idea in mind that it couldn't be so hard to just display a pdf with pdfjs and browser um it turns out that the actual nitty-gritties are kind of complex and really hard mm -hmm. <laughs> but um like the first version uh, I had it working within I don't know a week when I like uh, subtract all the the rails and angular learnings I had to make mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't so hard to to have this um, very first version working so with with that in place um, 
with the rendering as PDFs, I got a lot of other cool features. Mm-hmm. For example, like all the other implemented solutions um, or well-known solutions use images, right? And with images, um, images are just a shitty medium for this because on images, you can't click links. So many speakers have really cool links in their slides. They have tons of, if you're interested in this topic, click on this URL and read the book here or read this Wikipedia article or, I don't know, links to their blogs, links to their Twitter profiles. But all this stuff is kind of lost when it's in an image, right? Mm-hmm. How often have you retyped a URL out of an image? Mm-hmm. I never did this. But sometimes I had this I had this urge to click on something. <laughs> but right. it, it, it was just wasn't working. And this is something which works if you just render render a PDF within the browser. Mm-hmm. You can also copy cool quotes out of out of slides, right? So if you want to share it on Twitter, you can just like copy it out. Uh, so you don't have to retype it. And also another aspect which a friend of mine um pointed me to is that it's more accessible. So if someone who is using a screen reader, and my page is absolutely not optimized for that, I have to admit, but the content is actually on, in the DOM. So the content of the slides is actually in the DOM. So a, slide re- uh, um, a, a reader, a screen reader could actually read out the text on the slides. Cool. I think, yeah, I think this is pretty cool. And this is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with that, I got a, um, this the, the, the stuff which uh, annoyed me the most and um, also what the most other platforms cannot or was really bad at is a mobile, right? Nowadays, the, the traffic from mobile is pretty big, especially if you're in this conference setting, right? So I'm done with the talk, uploading my slides, and half of the audience will check the slides on their phone. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if they retweet it and their coworkers um, sitting on a very private place, they have their phone at hand, mm-hmm. right? And um, speaker deck, for example, and still I, I don't want to, I don't want to judge them or something. It's it's still a cool platform. They they are doing this stock footing, which is as a, a practice a cool thing. So they are using their own embed player on their site, but um, the embed player is an iframe. And with with the iframe in place, making this responsive is kind of hard, mm-hmm. right? So with PDF.js and everything is a natural HTML element, I'd say, um, it was responsive just out of the box, just by using PDF.js with Twitter Bootstrap. Um, so you will see that Slatter.io at the moment works on your mobile pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to make it very clear that this is not a sales pitch, it has some down, downsides as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that the um, speaker is uploading a PDF means that the speaker has to be really careful about the PDF size because the PDF is directly delivered to the users. I'm trying to reduce the size, mm-hmm. but PDF is a horrible file format. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, to wrap your head around it is pretty complex. I At some point, I want to improve it, but at the moment, I'm just trying some some improvements but most of the time it it won't work or the improvement is really just a few percents so if you upload a deck of i don't know an average deck is around 10 max so mm-hmm. 10 megabytes okay um the client even if he's on mobile um or he or she's on mobile <laughs> um it's uh, it would have to download 10 10 megabytes mm-hmm. So how do you do it on mobile? So, but you have to download it all the way. Right. right? So you have to download the 10 megabytes. So mm-hmm. That's the only solution I have at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah. 
I, I know that this is a downside and this is something I want to improve. And the funny thing is that it really depends on the platform you're using to create slide decks. And what the most, what even I didn't know before I, I did this project was that actually PowerPoint PDFs are pretty good <laughs> because okay. they use vectors for most of the stuff. Oh, okay. And PDF is a vector-based format. So um, like an average PowerPoints thing template without without much images has less than one megabyte, mm. uh, which is pretty good. And then there are um, other tools. Um, they don't resize the images at all. So if you embed a five meg image in your in your um, in your deck, it's still five meg, which is <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. So I've seen decks um, uh, which are like fifty megabytes. Wow. This is why I have a, a limit on Slatter.io for 20 megabytes, which is um, it's a hard limit to find, right? So mm -hmm. on the one hand, you do want you do not want to uh, lose potential users and speakers at at this step of on uploading their first stack. But on the other hand, I do not want someone to download more than 20 megabytes on a on a on a 3G connection. Yeah. I sure. mean, twenty megabytes is already way too much. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, I had to set I had to set a sensible limit at some yeah. at some point. And the thing which is still on my list is just to make the user aware of that, mm -hmm. because at the moment it's not even mentioned somewhere. But there, at, at there, at this point, you see that it's just that it's just a passion project, right? It's not something I'm earning money with or something. Uh huh. Um... It, uh, what what is the response like? Do, how many people are using it now? Uh, I can I can check for you the the actual numbers. Um, okay. And I I, I can be I can be completely open with it, but uh, the numbers don't don't be that don't are that good. So at the moment I'm hosting ninety three uh, users with ninety three decks, mm -hmm. which okay. is not a one to one relation. So there the most of the users on the platform don't have any decks, and then there are users which have tons of decks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, but it's less than hundred at the moment. Okay, uh, and if let's say this podcast comes <laughs> comes out and <laughs> suddenly the numbers explode, what are you gonna do about you know with the hosting and stuff? Um, well, this is an this is a good question. So I hope that it's be successful, right? Because it's my baby. I spent like mm -hmm. one over one year of my free time. Um, to, to make this happen yeah. and at the moment at the moment I'm just um, getting all the costs on my own so the platform at the, uh, the the page actually runs on Heroku and I'm taking the costs on my own mm -hmm. and I like agreed with myself and my girlfriend that the costs um, as soon as they will go over a certain um, a certain number which is 100 bucks a month for me at the moment to be honest mm -hmm. um, I I have to act in in some way. At the moment, I'm at forty bucks a month, which is okay. I can do this. This mm -hmm. is not this is not too bad. And then uh, the Amazon cost, like the S3 cost to host all the decks, is just like two dollars. Okay. <laughs> so it's almost nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but it will grow, right? They charge you per per Mac uploaded and per okay. Mac hosted. Yeah. So it it will grow. And um, honestly, I I don't have a solution at hand yet. Um, I hope I will figure it out, and um, I want to. I want it to be free because I would not use it myself if I would have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted. I wanted to make a product, which is um, which I want to use on my own. Mm -hmm. um, so at the moment, I don't have an idea. I'm hoping for sponsors, 
for example, so that, I don't know, um, Heroku, I, as I said, I'm, I'm hosting this on Heroku, and I was hoping, or I am still hoping, that they might hear this, and they really like the idea, and um, they might give me a few free dinos if I put a logo on any something like this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if it um, goes above this level I just mentioned, um, and I don't have a solution at hand, the only thing I, I could do, and this is like my emergency system at the moment is like I would stop any new uploads so that the cost would not increase anymore and then I would just like play a big notice with an with an honest notice that it's like all hosted by myself and I cannot I cannot make it happen anymore and I don't know maybe a donate thing or <laughs> um we'll see yeah uh, well you know, uh, I think what you could do, actually, you know, maybe do it now. Make it um, optional for people to pay. Do like in uh, put um, put up a Patreon site. Do you know Patreon? No. Patreon.com. Check it out. It's it's very interesting. Okay. So Patreon.com. Uh, you can like it's just for creators, and um, and they have a community of people who you know want to support creators, and uh, you can you can give people the opportunity to support you um, on a weekly or monthly basis <clears throat> basis, mm-hmm. um, like you know in a like subscription kind of way so basically you can say hey uh, if you if you like the value of the thing i do Mm -hmm. right uh and you wanna you know you wanna help me then consider you know um uh 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 making a a patreon contribution or or setting up uh contributing monthly uh, like a dollar monthly or yeah. you know something like that and it's still completely optional you can give them different options and all this kind of stuff yeah. and it's just you know for the people who really 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 feel really feel like feel you, you can that option, option. i think that's really uh something that you know you could do from the beginning and it, because some people for some people, it's like a real, it has real value and it's really important to them and they want to support mm-hmm. it because they want to see this succeed and go on longer and all this kind of stuff. So that's that's the one thing. And then, then there's another one that I saw in uh, Anselm's uh, uh, weekly newsletter uh, where he's he basically told people, hey, if you like my stuff, uh, you can, you can you know, give me a donation over something that's called Grati pay or something like that i have to look it up i'll link it up in the show notes yeah it's um it's similar it's just uh, it's something you know it's like gratitude and payment something and okay so people who feel like they want to give you something they can through this platform and it just goes into your paypal account Uh or something like that so i think that those are those are options that are kind of bubbling up right now and that Mm -hmm. um a lot of podcasters are doing it um that's definitely something i'm thinking about if i'm going to do this you know for a longer period of time and there's uh you know a bigger audience um i think that's something i would definitely consider and um yeah so so i think that's a great option you know to just slap it on your site and then see what happens yeah uh so i i'm like frankly and if we would get this in kind of a discussion i'm not sure if i like i see i see the value for certain projects Mm -hmm. and um i like the idea in general but for my project i'm not sure about it because at the moment um it's all free and i want it to be free but i don't know what will happen in the future right um i definitely want it to to continue to to be free to use but 
um, maybe this will change. Maybe I will do some some advertisement. This is um, another option I have in mind. Mm -hmm. um, maybe someday I will earn money with that. And then I would have a bad feeling with the people who, like, I don't know, who supported me, who, like, gave me money f for for nothing it feels like i don't know it just it's feels not for wrong. nothing you put no a, you put a lot <laughs> i know of it's not it. for nothing but <laughs> and, and also and also you know like if you know if you're not sure if you're gonna keep it running um that's fine but if you but you could you could basically say hey if this thing you know carries itself you know pays for itself mm -hmm. basically i'm gonna keep it running you know after you know i reach this kind of you know amount of users or something like that Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you if you're gonna if you're gonna say uh, if you're gonna ask for support, then I definitely it feels like you also have to commit to a certain degree. If you don't feel like right. you can do that, yeah, that's different. Then I, I don't guess. know. Like the problem um, is that if I would accept this, you're right. I would have to commit, and um, I think I like the problem is not the work i would have to do but the problem is the commitment right mm -hmm. um maybe i do not want to to commit myself because committing in this manner would mean i would lose some freedom i have at the moment mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and maybe the the problem is not the tools around the problem problem is that i have no clear idea yet <laughs> okay <clears throat> cool but it's uh, it's interesting uh, <laughs> Uh, I think it's awesome that you that you you know that you did it and you got it out and it's launched yeah. and people can use it. That's that's really. I mean, it's way more than most people manage. Yeah. So know? at the moment, when people want to support me, and this is like also um, when like people are hearing this podcast, um, what helps me the most at the moment is getting me to the point where I have no idea what I wanted to do as fast as possible. <laughs> really. Yeah. I want them yeah. to spread the word, right? We just right. have this. I have below exactly. 100 users. Yeah. I want this thing to be successful. And um, I don't know if I have a big user base. I, I love to solve this problem. Um, but at the moment, um, this there is no problem yet, right? I know right. that there will be a problem if this scales. Um, mm -hmm. And I would love to solve it the one or other way. But I want to hit the problem first. And okay. this is the biggest support I can imagine at the moment, that people get the word out, use it. Um, and also, I want to, edit, like in a bigger picture, I want people to see another one's Slatterio profile and just, they want to be the same, right? It's kind of the idle thing. It's like what GitHub did for open source. Um, in the bigger picture, I want to do for, for for speaking. So they see this ladder I.O. profile and say, oh, I want to have this profile too. And in order to do that, you have to start giving talks, right? Um, so to motivate them and to make this, I don't know, a better thing. It sounds so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> no, just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, this is a bigger picture. <laughs> okay. No, uh, yeah, sounds good. So everybody check out Slider Slider I.O., which is spelled s l i d r dot i o right? yeah so right check it out use it tweet about it <laughs> blog yeah, about it right you know, all this kind <laughs> spread of the word all the good stuff yeah <laughs> okay cool um we're way over time so i'm um, oh, sorry it's, <laughs> no it's it's great great content so let's go to to the picks you said yeah. you have some picks so um go ahead True. with your first pick 
So, um, like the pigs, I, I love the idea of pigs. Um, and I, I, I like, stole the idea. It's not my idea. I, I know. I heard, I, um, <laughs> as we discussed before, right? I heard the very first vision. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to have pigs, which actually gives people like a few cool links or stuff to check out. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted like to use it as a bit of praise. Anyway, so let's go have the first pick, which is a tool called um, LOL Commits. No. Um, you know that? <laughs> That's my first pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Seriously? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so funny. Amazing. Okay, cool. So, okay, that's... so if we're going to, like, so we have more time to discuss it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so then I, I'd propose a thing. So what about, like, we are picking our, I don't know, three best um, lol commits, and then we can put it into the show notes. Oh, actually, I didn't. I didn't use it yet. I just oh, saw no? I just, no, Oh, I just saw it today oh, and I should. thought it was funny. That's why I picked it. It is so funny. Yeah. And I have I have the complete commit history of Slatter.io as log commits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, just describe what it what it is. Okay, so log commits basically is just a command line utility which hooks into Git and whenever you do a git commit, it takes a screenshot of your, like it takes a, a, a uh, shot a of, picture of, of your you. face. Yeah, yeah, it takes a picture with your um, with your cam of your face doing the actual commit. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any screens from you, um, I'm I'm super happy to to volunteer sure. one of, of, of my best for the show notes. Definitely. <laughs> There's so, so many funny things because um, when you use it for that long time, uh, you will, you start totally f to forget about it. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. And you really start to see patterns. Like very often when I'm committing, I have the cable of my headphones in my mouth, <laughs> which looks so stupid, but it's just like when I'm super concentrated or sometimes when I just solved the bug, I was tracing the whole day. And then I know that all commits, this thing is coming up and just like make freaking faces or something. Okay. It's really cool. And uh, this is also a thing I transfer from... Uh, like whenever I change operating system or something, um, this is the thing I really take care of. Okay. And so how does it, so it makes a picture and then it commits the picture with your commit in your... Um, there are um, a, a few a few plugins. Um, there are also a few sites so where you can host your, your screenshots. Mm -hmm. But frankly, um, I don't know, I, I don't want them to be in the internet without my control. <laughs> yeah. So at the <laughs> moment dangerous. for myself, they are just in my home folder. Um, yeah, in my in my home folder on my MacBook, and um, so from time to time, um, I'm I'm checking them. I'm uh, I have a script w which I just stole from the website, which creates me kind of a time leaps video. Uh, you oh, could okay. also do um, could also get animated gifs, and from time to time, I'm just posting uh, the funny ones um, on my on my Twitter or. Um, yeah, using it for, for talks also sometimes. And cool. um, as I said, I have the complete commit history of Slatter.io. And at the moment, I have no idea what I want to do with it. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a super cool thing. And it, I, I don't know, for a very special talk or something, I want to pull this one out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. And it also it also captions the picture with what your commit message, right? Right, with the commit hash in yeah. the upper right corner mm -hmm. and the message in the um, lower left corner. So, cool. so you also see like fixing a bug gives you a complete um, yeah. different face than shipping a feature. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so, so this was my pick too. So let's move on to the second one. So what's your second pick? <laughs> so my second pick actually is uh, an, another tool, which is Dexhead app. Uh, have you heard about it? No. 
Okay, so back back setup is some uh, tool for creating slides and. As I mentioned before, I'm a horrible designer, and I have no, I have no visual visual eye, so I, uh, I cannot judge if something. I can judge if something looks good or not, but I have no idea how I can move to something which looks good. Mm -hmm. And Dexadab removes all this stuff for me. Basically, what I just have to do if I want to have a create a slide deck, I'm writing a Markdown file, and Dexadab can convert this Markdown file to slides, mm -hmm. which is super cool. And then they have a a set of pre-built themes you can apply and always there's a good a good looking slide deck in the end awesome yeah this <clears throat> is super cool yeah. unfortunately it's only mac uh so only os x and it costs mm -hmm. i don't know 14 bucks or something but if you are not a design person and uh, if you feel there's a lot of friction for you to to do slides and you speak um, 16 times a year no 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 that's definitely not the point even if it's like your first talk yeah um, no it's a true. total cool thing yeah. um, because it gives you good slides and it also and this is another fact i really love is that it kind of educates you because especially for newcomers so if you have too much text on your slide um it just like tend to scroll out of the, the visible area mm -hmm. right um so if you have more than um more than I don't know ten words and um in the first headline mm -hmm. um it's it's just too much to display on the on the slide, so it's just not visible anymore and this way it it kind of educates you in the in the right direction cool yeah, sounds great. How much is it? I think it's fourteen bucks something but uh, um okay I have to check I don't know for sure mm -hmm. cool okay so i'm going to I'm gonna do my second pick now um <clears throat> so my second pick is the ask Gary V show and i don't do you know Gary Vaynerchuk? uh no uh he's he's like uh it's it's such a long story like he is Basically, today, how would it is? Okay, so he's a speaker. He is a he's a business guy. Like he he founded. Um, so he's an immigrant from 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 Russia, and you know he came with his parents to America, yeah. and his and his dad he worked in this liquor store, um, and at some point he became the manager of the liquor store. And when 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 Gary was sixteen or so. He he, uh, his father made him work there in the in the liquor store, and then he figured out he had all those people coming in. So and Gary, he was like this natural kind of sales talent kind of guy, right? So when he was a kid, he did the lemon stands, but he didn't sell the lemonade. He had like kids selling lemonade <laughs> <laughs> on different uh, lemon stands, nice. uh, lemonade stands. And he had like his tricycle, and was he was collecting the money and stuff like that. Or okay. he, uh, one thing that the story he always is telling uh, about, you know, like what, like when he's talking about his DNA, like as he's a sales guy, uh, you yeah. know, at, at 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 heart is where he, uh, as a kid, he would rip out the flowers, you know, from the neighbors, uh, and and then sell it back to them at the door and stuff like that. Like, just like, like this compulsion to just make money, sell, blah, blah. And he, okay. had, and he, he made like when he was a kid at, in school, he was trading baseball cards and he made, I don't know, like $1,000 a weekend or something like that. So 
so that's basically you know the story. And then he had to work. Uh, he had to work at the liquor store, and he found out that people were coming there, and they bought. You know, there were a lot of people were very interested interested in the wine, and he found out. Okay, those uh -huh. people are collecting the wine. You know, they're not like yeah. drunks that you know need a lot uh, okay. of wine. Yeah, they, <laughs> they just buy like you know whole crates of wine, and, and then. And that kind of made so he understands collecting because he made money with the baseball cards and stuff like that. And then he, um, and then he start he's he's he started, you know, to pound on his dad when the internet came and stuff. He said, "Hey, we need to we need to have an online store and we have to change the name because it had like a terrible name that store and stuff like that." And then. Mm -hmm. And then at some point they founded winelibrary.com and they had you know uh, wine online and and then. <clears throat> So he did that for a couple of years, and he 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 you know he grew that business to incredible. Like I think from <laughs> from like uh, what was it like ten million to fifty million or something wow. like that. Like really crazy. Like so yeah. he's super successful, and he's and at some point then he started. Uh, he had like his IT guy. He showed him. Um, this guy Zay Frank, who who started like he did very early on, he did this video blog and he was very funny, um, and so he saw that and he said, ah, this is cool, I can do that, you know, like and this kind of spoke to him because he's like super outgoing and and he started doing a video <laughs> blog and he was talking about business. Uh, no, for, no, stop. This was not, so. The first thing is he did a wine show and 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 um, how I I don't know I I, I kind of stumbled. On I stumbled upon that um, one of his other videos where where he's talking about social media and business and stuff like that, where he was just kind of uh, he, he brought his he just he has lots of energy he brought, brings it to the to the table and he's kind of you know telling you you know like if you have a passion how can you just make it work you know you yeah. you can go on the internet you can do blah 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 you you, you can uh, do like a show about it you know your expertise basically similar to the to the what you said about talks uh -huh. and 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 he was he had a lot of interesting things to say uh, in my opinion like I found very interesting about you know at the beginnings of Twitter and how Twitter is going to be important. <laughs> and it's like the, uh, you know, like um, word of mouth on steroids and, you know, marketing with social media and stuff like that. But no, but no bullshit. It was all, to me, it was all very, very interesting. And, and he's always very honest and straightforward and uh, has this, crazy energy and i really love watching his talks like he has what he has a lot of keynote he's a keynote speaker at many many talks and it's uh -huh. mostly at many many conferences and it's and he's he's become kind of like a web liberty <laughs> yeah he has its own wikipedia page just yeah checked so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems so, like i'm really missing something that i don't know him <laughs> yeah well i don't know for some people it's not you know their cup of tea for, for me it is i i just think he's really very inspiring kind of person and very he and i really love the things the kind of insights he has because he's like super yeah. um uh he has a he has really great intuition when it comes to uh you know how the internet like the kind of apps that we have today and that are that are super successful today because the you know like 14 year old kids use it and stuff like that and all the and all the grown-ups they're like Oh, what is this shit? You know, like this is not gonna be successful, and then it blows up and stuff like that. And he has a great intuition about that, and you know where this whole like how you can. Of course, his angle is always like you know how can you use it to 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 
to make your brand bigger and stuff like that. But it's not just, he's not a bullshit artist. He, he offers a lot of value. And then uh -huh. at some point he also, you know, he writes books and then he asks people to buy his books, but then he also gets his books, you know, right at the top, like a uh, number one spot on Amazon within a day or so, because he's, uh, he has like this whole, like, you know, people, all those people who really uh, value what he does. And um, so this was the whole basically broken down the ask, ask you know gary gary varinchuk story and he now started just recently started this show uh ask gary v where people can write on twitter they can ask him a question with the ha hashtag ask gary v on twitter right uh -huh. and then he and then his team they choose you know some questions and it goes like and it's like almost every work day i think he he has a he puts a video out that's like 15 20 minutes where he answers the questions And it's super entertaining. And I find it's very well made. Like they really have the guy who does the video. He knows his shit. And uh, uh, I like the art, art direction in it. And uh, he always has interesting stuff to say. And I even, I even made it on one of the shows I, because I didn't really have a question. And I saw him tweeting out like, hey, I'm going to do another thing. Uh, things, uh, send me out a question. I was just like, at Gary V, sup, ask Gary V. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and i would have i would have not i just you know was just you know uh having fun basically and uh and then of course they took the question he was like uh hey, that's a great question khalil uh, you should really you know should, more more people should be asking i really like i would like to do more what's up questions and then he bas he's basically just talking about you know what's going on in the office and what he's doing in his life and blah 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 it was really it was really fun i was really stoked to be on the ask Gary v show it was yeah. great. i just like i was on his twitter at the moment you were saying and it's his recent tweet where he's like this sub thing right okay oh really Uh, so there's this sub up thing. I don't know how related it is to your question, but oh, okay, cool. Yeah, somehow it has become a little bit of a thing. Like commenters are now using the sub, you know, in the comments. <laughs> it's funny. It's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you seem to be super passionate about it as well. Uh, I mean, I've been I've been watching this guy for like five years now. You know, wow, all the like nice. the keynotes and stuff. Like, I really I get a lot of out of it, and I, I really. I love this guy, man. It's just yeah. that's how it is, uh, <laughs> and yeah. So I definitely that's my that's my second pick. Definitely yeah. check that out. Cool, sounds cool. I'm also going to check it out. <laughs> cool. You sold me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I can I can sell Gary Vee. That's, that's yeah. great. Uh, okay, good. So uh, the third pick. Yeah, third pick. Um, so I understand this pick thing also as a bit of a praise. Sure. So, uh, so the thing I like to praise um, when I was like preparing myself for this was uh, uh, a praise to my filter bubble, um, or I don't know the my network, my Twitter timeline, basically, or okay. I don't know all the cool people <laughs> I've met because um, Twitter for me is a really useful tool because whenever I have a question about something or I'm um, I'm worried about something or I'm really angry about something. I just have, like, I'm just tweeting about it. So just getting the word out and people are really helpful. So um, I would, like, my, my last pick would be a praise to, I don't know, all my Twitter friends. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. I also get a lot of value out of Twitter. Uh, it's really, it's really great. Mm -hmm. Um And my third pick is the startup podcast. So that's really interesting too. Like there's um, uh, there's this podcast called This American Life, 
that I heard heard of uh, you know from my wife. She she, she used to live in LA, mm-hmm. um, and uh, <clears throat> and it always uh, the NP, NPR you know is like the public radio station um, mm-hmm. or programming and 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 on the public radio station in LA every Saturday you know this American Life comes on and it's just basically it it sounds. Like this is just like American stories or something like that, but it's, but what it's it's just really stories with people, you know, and it, they're okay. really well researched and very well produced. Like public radio um, is always pretty pretty um, uh, has always good productions, and it's just well told, really interesting stories with people. And of course, those people live in America; it's an American show. But um, yeah, so I really, I really, this show is. I think it's always on the number one in America in the in the iTunes podcast charts. It's always like a number one or something like that, and they have like millions of downloads every every time. Mm-hmm. So they, they they run on the radio, but they also you know publish it as a podcast. And so one of those guys who used to work for This American Life, he is starting a, a podcast company, right? So he he stopped working for a public radio, and he is now creating uh, a company that just does podcasts and okay and um he is basically kind of and he's doing it as a startup so he he went to chris saka who invested into twitter and you know all kinds of stuff and he's like a like an investor vc or mm-hmm. kind of celebrity guy and he, so he, he went to 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 investors and talked to them he got a co-founder and all this kind of stuff and so what he did is that he documented that and he is releasing a, a podcast about that. Okay. This whole, pro- <laughs> the whole kind of process of founding the company, finding the name and talking to people about funding and, you know, and all this kind of stuff um, is, is kind of documented. And he, he tells the story of that. Um, his name is Alex Bloomberg and the, st- and the podcast is called startup. And, and it, that's really, uh, it's really a great, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, it's really super fascinating. I was just checking the website, so yeah, looks pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's also <laughs> pretty, you know, pretty short podcast, like twenty minutes, uh, mm-hmm. an episode or so. But you have to start from the beginning. It's not a podcast where you just jump in. You know, like there's a lot of <laughs> you need to get the whole kind of story. Yeah, cool. So now we reach the music pick finally. Yeah. Um... I'm a bit anxious about this one. <laughs> so um, uh, I don't know what kind of music you're like looking for. So you was just oh, asking whatever, me for my man. favorite one. Just yeah, what just yeah. what you feel right now? You know, just like um, it doesn't matter. So um, this is a German hip hop. Uh, okay. Because this is uh, the music I really love and listen to. And uh, with this one, I want to like I want to prove and show that there's like really valuable stuff out there, and not only this. Um, gangster bullshit stuff. Okay. So the track is um, from an artist called Umse, I guess it's pronounced, and uh, as it's German, the, the title is called Feiert das. Wir sind zum Party machen gekommen, die Warteschlangen sind lang. Wir starten in die Saison und mit Taten drang das Programm. Nie auf Sparflamme, warteten tagelang auf Empfang. Nun haben wir Netz und bringen Rap, der Karate kann an den Mann. Uh. Man kann es feiern, ignorieren und hassen. In den Himmel loben und preisen, kritisieren und lassen. Jeder wie er will. Ich hoffe, ersteres ist der Fall, dass sie sagen, mit uns hat Hip-Hop zwei Schwergewichte im Stall. Werbung nicht überall, doch machen Tanzflächen voll. Muss uns nur sagen, welchen Laden wir in Brand setzen sollen. Zwar nicht verfolgt von Journalisten, die uns ansprechen wollen. 
wollen Doch von der Fanscher, die so tut, als wäre Schlammketschen toll Die Party im vollen Gange, die Leute in Euphorie Geben Gas, volle Kanne, bedeutet es läuft wie nie Und macht euch bereit und ladet jeden ein, der drauf wartet Wir gehen steil, ein bisschen feiern, hat yeah. auch keinem geschadet Also hebt das Glas, sind wir in der Nähe, gibt es Gesprächsbedarf Legen nach, heute kriegt jeder von uns nur wenig Schlaf Du wirst sehen, dass du schon lang nicht mehr so benebelt warst Komm, wir geben Gas, ey, jeder yeah. hat Ein gnadenloses Brett, die Arme hochgestreckt Bin ich im Partymodus, rap ich für okay. den Stadion Cool. Yeah, I really love this song at the moment. It's like my song on repeat. <laughs> awesome. I, I've never heard of him. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to check it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm going to integrate it into this yeah, podcast I know. <laughs> episode, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah, so <clears throat> so my music pick today is um, is actually like a, a theme song of a TV show. And, and it's... Um, mm-hmm. The, the TV show is called The Affair, and it's just like it just started a few weeks ago or months ago. I don't know. It's pretty uh-huh. new. And I, I'm not necessarily, it's where the show is very well shot and well told. It's about this guy who has an affair, basically. <laughs> I, I'm, not a, I'm not super en- enthusiastic about the story. I'm not so into it, but I tried it out. You know, I watched it a few mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. And I heard this theme song and I was just like, what the hell is this theme song? This is cool. And I kind of played it a couple of times. And basically, um, so what it is, it is, uh, it's, it's just a, fee- a theme song of The Affair by Fiona, Fiona Apple. I have no idea who that is, but uh, <laughs> what I like about it, like it's really, um, it's just a, you know, it's a woman singing and there's very little instrumentation. There's not a lot. Um, And she, she just how she sings the lyrics and the lyrics themselves, and it's just very short. It's maybe 15 seconds, 20 seconds or something like that. Okay. Uh, and just how she sings it, I find it absolutely mesmerizing. It's, it was really, and I really love, uh, you gotta look up the lyrics. They're very, <laughs> there's like an interesting little twist. Like she is like, she's just singing about how she, at the moment where she dies, she's screaming and then uh, even, and the scream even like uh, uh, echoes longer than like after she's dead, the the, the scream echoes. So this is the story of the lyrics, right? So the scream echoes while she's dying and she's dead and this still echoes. And then this echo triggers like an avalanche that then kills a man. And then his widowed wife meets another man And they made you. <laughs> do you know? What, do <laughs> I you think know? you you kind of lost me on that one, but uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so uh. that, that's the whole thing. That's the whole. So okay, let's let's try it again. So basically, she's she's dying. She screams. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, okay, so she's dead yeah. now, and the scream <laughs> is still echoing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the echo it triggers an avalanche, mm-hmm. right? Like like uh, a lavine, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. An avalanche, and that avalanche kills a man. Right? Another random man. Yeah, it's just like a random man she never knew. That, okay. That yeah. he he yeah. gets killed. And um and now so his he he had a wife and she's now a widow, so she meets a new person. Okay. And they made you. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's the lyric and i was like i was just like the first time i heard it I was like what is she saying i was screaming into the canyon at the moment of my death the 
Echo, I created a last in my last breath. My voice it made an avalanche and buried a man I never knew. And when he died, his widow bride met your daddy, and they made you. I have only one thing to do, and that's be the way that I am, and then sink back into the ocean. I have only one thing to do, and that's be the way that I am, and then sink back into the ocean. I have only one thing to do, and that's be the way that I am, and then sink back into the ocean. 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 What's this melody? Wow, this is cool. And then I, at some point I, I had to look it up a little because some words I didn't really understand. I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> so so this is cool. I don't even know if you can buy it. There's a YouTube video posted on, uh, yeah, on YouTube, obviously, uh -huh. um, from, you know, on the channel from that from that network that, that um, uh, made that show. So I really found this, uh, yeah, really cool. So that's my music pick. Yeah, sounds cool. Yeah, so to hear it. <laughs> yeah, you'll check. You gotta check it out. Um, okay, so uh, where can where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, I didn't manage to get the same nick everywhere. So basically, a good starting point is my Twitter, as we mentioned, and I'm at CodeStars, mm -hmm. um, which is also my domain. So it's at CodeStars.eu. Uh, okay. I think these are the most um, the both best places to to catch me and if you want to like if someone wants to drop me a message twitter is definitely in the right place right cool awesome so yeah. i want to thank uh, everybody for listening you can find the show notes for this episode on descriptive.audio slash episodes slash six if you have any feedback uh, or guest requests hit me up on twitter at descriptive pod or use the feedback form on the website and ole thank you so much for your time and hanging out Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun, really. <laughs> <laughs>